Blog Talk Radio. Obviously, 
you know, he's a guy that's going to take a lot of punishment. Um, now, he's also going to deliver it. It's kind of funky because sometimes you watch some of his fights. Like, he's slow no matter what, right? But sometimes you watch his fights, and maybe it's just who he's in there with and how fast or slow they are. But sometimes it just looks extra slow. Um, but, you know, he was effective. He's wearing guys down. Like I said, he's got an iron chin. It's not like he got knocked out here. Um, but Zhang, man, he can do a lot of stuff on the outside. So it's really about him not getting to the point where he's knocked down a couple times or eventually stopped. I don't know. It, it's it's a tough one. I really think because I think, you know, I mean, it's definitely different than Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith, obviously. Totally different. Well, not totally different, but different, you know, definitely. Um for one, Eubank had a lot more success through four rounds than Joe Joyce did. That's not to say Joyce didn't land any punches or win any rounds or anything like that. And who knows what would have happened, you know, on the backside of that fight. But, it, it, you know, I mean, I guess we knew that coming in, you know, to the first fight, that he's going to have to win by a knockout, more than likely, unless he just knocks him down a bunch of times, wins on the card. My point is, I love these rematches, not necessarily from a, a, a you know a betting and prediction standpoint, but I'm gonna be really interested to see, interested to see. And then um, Hitchens, Richardson, Hitchens, and Jose Zapata. I'm looking for that fight. Hitchens, this is a step up fight. McCaskill and Ryan are on the Arna card as well. I know there's a pro box tomorrow. There's a zone card, I think, on Thursday. But, yeah, definitely focused in on that um, Hitchens and Zapata. I think that's a really good, you know, test for him. And then we do have a variety of current fight news in, in a boxing Twitter segment that we like to close with. A lot of people are talking about Terrence Crawford, um, you know, as far as his contradiction of what he said multiple times actually said it right after the fight in the post press conference about about the rematch and then now what he's saying so obviously he's contradicting himself we have some audio um it is what it is like you know on one hand as a boxing fan we don't need to see that next right per se i mean i'm not going to sit there and be anti the fight if it happens um so, from a fan's perspective, it works, right? Have Spence move up to 54. There's plenty of guys for him to fight up there through the PBC. And who knows? Maybe in a year or something like that, maybe they would fight. You never know. Um, so, on that hand, I, I am cool with it. On the other side, it is some kind of sucker stuff. Like, it is, it is kind of messed up because – Crawford loves to talk about, uh, you know, Thurman and this and that. He always likes to talk about what people said. You say this, but then you're not backing it up, right? And he did, out of his own mouth, say the fight could be at 54, the rematch. So it's not that I'm torn, right? You can have two thought processes at one time. Yes, from a fan, fan perspective, we don't need to see the fight, especially with a guy like Crawford. Anytime you're in a rematch with a counter puncher, 
and especially what happened in that first fight. And sure, you know, having this shrink down to 47 can play into it. Sure, that's fine. Like I said, I do believe Spence will be better at 54, but you just didn't see enough in the fight to be like, oh, it was just the weight. You know, if he was up on the scorecards and then faded and gassed or something, then you'd be like, yeah, it was the weight. But that's not how it went. Beyond the first three rounds where he actually had success, um, I'm not saying he won all those three rounds, obviously. I'm saying he had success because I know how people like to, to hold, you know, like to uh, like to message me on some dumb shit and take my words and, and just hang on one word. But, yeah, like I, I'm okay with it for sure as a fan's perspective that they don't fight. But you can admit that is kind of bullshit, though. Because, like, I, he loves to go out and say, oh, you said this, you said this, but you didn't really want it. Well, he's the one who said it. Well, I didn't say it. He's the one who said it multiple times that he'd fight him at 54. But in the end, I do understand why he's doing this, you know. Um, now, if he doesn't get the Canelo or Charlo fight, then it probably won't be a smart business move, you know, because he could go out and at least make a good chunk of change in this fight and, and, and you know, be the favorite even, you know, much stronger than he was. But anyway, um, and then some folks are kind of bugging me about the Shakur stuff. I told you guys exactly what, you know, when they talked about that 25%, because he was on that interview recently, and he talked about what that 25% would mean. And then he mentioned a report that came out having to do with a certain money you know, an amount of money. And I knew that was bullshit because all you have to do is times the the number that came out by four, if we're going 25%, and you knew that wasn't the fucking number. But the funny thing is, he's out there saying, oh, they leaked it, they leaked it, they leaked it. Well, who leaked it? Who who actually leaked that? Um, I, I know who did. And like I said, I literally documented it like a week or two ago, um, and it's just funny. You know, I love Shakur Stevenson as a fighter. I really do. But he'll just say whatever. The, and he's not the only one like this right now because that's, that's kind of what boxing Twitter and social media has kind of turned into. It's just he said, she said. Some of it's probably right. Some of it's like, well, wait a second, dude. What are you talking about, you know? So he does bold-faced kind of lie at times. Um, But like I said, he's not the only one. That doesn't change my mind on uh, how good of a fight, how elite of a fighter he is or something like that. But yeah, it is funny. What he said was right. The number that that was reported was bullshit. The problem is it's just funny when you look who the source was. It's very like, well, actually, should you be taking care of that anyway? We'll get into all that stuff way later in the show. We always like to start in the ring and talking about this weekend. And like I said, there was so much to cover, so we'll get to it in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope and download the show there. If you don't want to, you can find the Rope and Dope Radio podcast 
in a variety of places, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the podcast app, Player FM, Google Podcasts, PogBay, Deezer, so many other platforms that the podcast is available. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to the gruelingtruth.com, Eastside Boxing, and Phil Boxing. And one more thing, sign up for DirecTV Stream and save $30, plus add DirecTV Sports Pack, which includes the NFL Network. You can get the uh, NFL Red Zone, SEC Network, Big Ten Network, Stream with No Strings, Live Sports, News and On Demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees, no satellite dish, no cable box. Like I said, limited time, save $30 on DirecTV Stream. Choose the DirecTV Stream package that's right for you starting at $74.99. And I see I'm already getting some people heated a little bit. And they're literally, what's so funny about this, and I'm not going to go into it until later in the show. Um, so don't tune out, folks, who want to, you know, talk about boxing. But, um they're literally like, well, you don't, you know, show me the audio, play the audio, you know, of Terrence Crawford. It's like, dude, it's just so simple. Like, do you think I just come on here and just, no, I understand why you could think that I just would make shit up because that is a lot of what goes on boxing Twitter and podcasts nowadays and YouTube channels. You just run with something and just go with it and figure it out later if it's true or not. That's not how we do it here at Rope It Up Radio. So I do have the audio. And if you don't believe me, why don't you just go listen to the post? Okay, it's Spence Crawford post-fight press conference. Just just Google that. Go to YouTube. Go to Showtime. Go to Premier Boxing. I'm sure you can find it. Um, and that should do it, you know. Then you can hear him say it. Like I said. I don't care that the rematch is, is not happening. I mean, that's the reports. I get why Crawford's doing it. I totally get it. And like I said, the only way it could backfire is if he doesn't get a Charlo or Canelo fight. Because what are, at 54 and 60, what are the bigger money fights than what he'd be making here? I mean, you tell me. Now, it doesn't mean there's not quality opponents he couldn't fight. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, you tell me. Like I said, you tell me. Anyway, I'd rather get in the ring here and talk a little bit about what happened. Like I said, for some reason, I thought it was Tuesday morning, and this damn fight was, uh, it's like I woke up. I was like, what? Oh, shit, it's over. Uh, Taraji, though, Kinshira. Definitely did his thing. I'll say this. Um, Butler, he, he he was there to bang, too, man. I mean, early, really landed big right hands early uh, with the pressure. Dude brought it. You know, it wasn't like he won a bunch of rounds or anything like that, but he definitely brought it, so you got to give him credit. Uh, Taraji had his jab going um, for the most part, mostly in that first round. Um they traded right hands in the second round. A lot of back and forth in that round. In back and forth in this, in this, uh, you know, in this fight. Um, the jab to the body. Now I thought um, Mike Insura was really nice. He also uh, would add a left hook um, as well. 
more body attack in the third by uh, Taraji. Uh, the fourth and fifth, um, I believe, was it the fourth or fifth that uh, Butler got cut? I can't remember. But he landed a big, big right hand. Um, and, you know, to me, Kinshura just kind of got back on his jab. Um, the sixth round, he was he was landing, uh, Kinshura, these two-punch comps and he created some space. So he's doing these little step back, kind of at range on the outside a fair amount. Um, and then some, a few really fun exchanges in the seventh round. Big right hands, whether they're counter or lead, actually, um, from Butler. And, um, and then the jab right hand by Kinshura in the eighth. And then he picked up the pace in the ninth, really going for it. You could tell landed a huge, huge right hand, um, and, and you know there was that was about it. Like that, that that's where it ended in the ninth round. Um, another great performance by Kinshiro. Um He's a really fun fighter to watch, man. He's the timing, um, the way he punches punches together, the way he can bring that pressure. But also in the obviously the power, but also you know, fight at range, fight with a little distance, take a little step back, and make these little minor adjust adjustments. So and like I said, I want to say again, Butler definitely like was there to fight, man. You know, this wasn't a close fight on paper, but he he showed out, man. He showed out. He landed plenty of good punches. Like I said, you couldn't give him a bunch of rounds. Um, now, Junto Nakatani, who's been on a, a knockout tear, this is the first time he went the distance in a title fight, I believe, if I remember. This is pretty much one-sided. Nakatani, very effective with the jab. Um, you know, he, 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 was, he was really effective the whole time. Jabs, then he starts, you know, kind of landing his left hand behind the jab. He fought at a good distance. Um, I think he, all, I believe all three of the knockdowns were body shots. Two of them came in the, let me check my, in the fifth round. That's right, fifth round. The first one was a left hook. Uh, Cortez took a knee. Um, second one, I believe, was a right hook to the body that knocked him down. And like I said, it, it was fairly one-sided, this one. That's for sure. Um you know, the last part of the round, there was a left hand downstairs, knocked him down. Um, you know, Cortez, like, tied up at times. Um, he had, like, the last maybe two, possibly three rounds, if I remember correctly. He did have, like, limited success, but Nakatani, you know, pretty much handled him. There wasn't a whole lot to take from that. Um, that's for sure. Um, let's see here. So, I mean, we could talk really quick about Zapata. I do want to bring in, uh, John here in a second. Zapata and, uh, and Hesta. Clearly, you know, this was the more one-sided fight. You know, Joey Gonzalez had, uh, beyond the Shakur fight, he had showed up in his other two big, big fights. So that one was closer, you know, to what 
you know, to more of a competitive, well, it was a competitive fight, uh, no doubt. I, I really liked uh, what happened in that fight. But Zapata, I mean, this freaking guy, he is just, the CompuBox numbers on him, I mean, it's just crazy. He came out, he was, you know, he's pretty busy early, right? Uh, landed a few to close. Uh, there was a little two-way stuff in that first round. Second round, though, Hesta actually did land, like, early in that round, some jabs, little quick combos. Um, he was landing his right hand. Sometimes it was counter, sometimes it was straight. But the right hooks um, and just the body work with both hands, um, I mean, the way he he kept flurrying over and over again and putting Hesta on the freaking ropes. And uh, that was kind of the story of the fight. Um, like I said, Marcito would counter with his hook or, or jab really well, but he would just be overwhelmed um, by, you know. I mean, the thing is, it wasn't just – it's not just crazy, um, you know, just wild swinging stuff. Like, he, he his attack, like, he, he had a steady jab a lot of the time. Um, like, later – well, not really later – the fight because you know it didn't go that far, but he did add the uppercut into it, landing it really well. He mixes up his punches and he just throws a ton, you know. And um, even in that fifth round, you started to see well, even before that, really, but you really started to see Mercito slow way down. In that fifth round, he actually turned his back at least once, um, and it's just unanswered shots, unanswered lands. And that was a wrap. Um, so, you know, William Zapata, Zapata, this dude is just, like, are, are, can a lot of people, not a lot of people, but in the, you know, the people above him at 135, you know, I think there's plenty of people that can beat him. But what you're going to have to go through and how sharp and the timing, the chin, you're going to have to have something there so he respects it. Um, if you're not a power puncher, it's just going to take a lot. I mean, the guy, look at him just ramp up. First round, 78 punches thrown. Second round, 117, 140, 113, 110. And uh, <clears throat> didn't even fight that deep into the sixth round. He already threw 60. I mean, this guy, not even full six rounds, you know. I mean, the guy is just a, he's an animal, man. I mean, he's an animal. And uh, 618 punches, like I said, not even a full six. Went to the body 93 times, 93 to 13. I mean, this dude, like I said, he's a fun fighter to watch. Every once in a while, we'll see a little bit of head movement out of him. Um, And like I said, he does mix up his attack. So to me, you know, that's something that he would obviously – need to do a lot more, but it kind of matters who he's fighting. You know what I mean? It really does. And we'll see who he ends up, you know, fighting, um, you know, at this, you know, I I don't know who he's going to fight, obviously, but there are fights out there for him. And of late, he's really starting to come on and just kind of find himself in general, in my opinion. I, I really liked what I saw. Um, and then we'll just, well, I'll save the ESPN card. I want to go ahead and bring in John into the frame here. Let's 
get him in here. What's going on, John? How you doing, man? Long time no talk. How was uh, how was the little vacation on the shore? That was great. Uh, kind of a last hurrah. We got near the end of official summer. Got got to get down to Jersey Shore and had about a perfect day. So uh, that was good to get that in. And uh, yeah, good to be back uh, after a couple couple weeks uh, to talk some boxing. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, and, you, you know, well, let's start, start with that Golden Boy card. Um, obviously, Heston got this fight because he beat, you know, Diaz. And after after um, William beat, you know, uh, JoJo, it was kind of like, you know, he had had a, a performance that, although he won it cleanly, I don't know. There, he just had kind of a mediocre performance for him. But the last few now, he's really putting his uh, performances together. But that's how Hesta got this fight. He pulled the upset. And so that's that's kind of how he, you know, got this fight or whatever. But, I mean, this dude is just he's, – he's fun to watch. And like, like I said, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be – it's going to be difficult to, to, to beat him, like, no matter what. Even if you feel like you can outbox them and all that, which I do think there's guys out there that can, but you're going to, like I said, you're going to have to make him respect you, and you're going to have to go through some sort of punishment, uh, more than likely, unless you get him out there early. What do you think of this performance and anything other, uh, you know, from the card or whatever? Well, Chris, really, for me uh... – I'm I'm looking at it somewhat different than some others. I mean, I, I think, you know, Zapata's good. I mean, the, the punch stat numbers don't lie in terms of how much he throws. And he he does have he does have some pop. He's not a guy without pop, but despite the high KO percentage when when you watch him fight enough, he, he doesn't have the power that really a little bit earlier in his career we thought he might have like when you look, he kind of burst on the scene really with that victory over uh, uh, Tanara. Um, you, you know, Tanahara. You know, who, who was was a good amateur yep. and everything. That was kind of a. Actually, I think Zapata was a slight underdog going into that fight. Um, but you know, watching him since, uh, he throws a lot of punches. He's not feather fisted, but he's not the big banger that some people think think he is uh, when looking at that KO percentage. And I think, you know, Hesta, you know, he, he had basically, he'd been off at one point for 29 months, wasn't really anything special to begin with. I think really every, you know, that he's saying he got the fight because he got the win over Joseph Diaz, he really got the fight because Golden Boy's got nobody else for uh, Zapata to fight. And I think we have to keep that perspective. I mean, guy's a lightweight who is never that great to begin with in his mid-30s. I, I didn't think there was any suspense to this one. And let's also look at, look, this is coming from the man's own mouth, and I give him credit for, for saying it straight out. It had seemed to become more obvious watching his fights, fighting at weights he shouldn't be at. But Joseph Diaz himself, you know, has since come out and said, you know, he's got an alcohol problem. I mean, that's to his credit. Uh, you know, you saw the weights balloon up. Really, even he was even going over the lightweight limit. 
he he wasn't a puncher as a featherweight. He's really a guy, even at this stage, who should be at featherweight. So came out, admitted he's got a problem. Um, so what I'm getting to is, you know, what really at, at the point Hester fought Joseph Diaz, what what really did that mean at that point? Um, let's look at you know the rest of Zapata's recent fights. I mean Jamie Arboleda. I mean that's you know. Kind of again pumped up Golden Boy. Not nobody really from the fight wasn't that good. You know Joseph Diaz has the problems I've just described. Went the distance with him. You know got a, got a clear decision. You know Rene Alvarado, another guy. You know passed his bets. He's had a lot of losses in his career. Went the distance with him. He didn't look all that great in that fight either. I thought he got hit a lot in that fight. Consider- yeah, there though. As you as you alluded to, Chris, there, some of those in there he wasn't looking that good. And then I think it's just. It's because the competition is Arboleda and Hesta. I mean, I, I think, you know, Zapata, it's because of it, – it is because of boxing promotional politics, which all the promoters engage in. So I'm, I'm willing to give him and Golden Boy that. We All promoters, if they have a guy at a certain weight and they don't have any dance partners, they have to deal with that. He's in that situation. But I think – I think fans need to, and analysts need to keep in mind, to me, kind of the jury's still out on this guy a bit. Like, you know, yeah, there are scenarios maybe you could look at and say with his volume of punches and he has some pop, well, he's going to, like you were saying, and a lot of people believe it, you know, he's going to give anybody trouble. Um, But I, I could also see scenarios where, and it's just theoretical with the promotional politics, but were he to be in with some of those more uh, skilled, harder punching lightweights, like guys like Tank Davis, you know, Ryan Garcia is not really a lightweight anymore, but, you know, he was just there and, of course, a big name, and he is with Golden Boy. Uh, then, you know, of course, Haney, you know, he's talking about fighting at 140, but he was there. He's got the, you know, he's got the boxing skill. He's He's been winning. You know, and, you know, Lomachenko's still got something left. He showed against Haney. He's still out there. You know, I'm I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't mean Zapata might not beat some of these in theory, even though these fights aren't going to happen. But what I'm saying is these guys are also, let's face it, let's be real. They're at a much higher level than the guys he's been fighting. And it's easy to throw those volumes of punches. I mean, who who really – of any kind of level of skill that's a puncher has, you know, Zapata been in with because, you know, Tanahara, even though that was his big win, uh, he's not a puncher. Um, you know, Diaz, again, as we said, isn't Alvarado, isn't, you know, Gesta's no puncher uh, at any kind of level. So, you know, we, we don't know. I mean, you know, when he, when he's facing some real thunder coming back, you don't know how he's going to react. You don't know if that volume is going to be there. Now, I predicted he'd do the job easily in this one, and he did. That's to his credit. I always, as you know, always give somebody credit when they take care of business with what's put in front of them in an impressive fashion, and he did that. But I'm not saying automatically I've seen something where, oh, he can't step up. But I'm not like a lot of people where it's a guarantee that this package he's bringing is going to be hell for all these other you know you know top all these other top guys in the lightweight region if he and theoretically were to be fighting these guys 
yeah, what I what I, I I agree with most of what you said there for sure. Um, I just saw and I like the way you, you you broke it down and kind of categorized it and and said, all right, you know, let's let's really talk about this because the one thing I'll say is the reason why I brought up JoJo is because obviously, like you said, Golden Boy, you know, he, he's right there, so that's why he got the fight. But if he hadn't beat JoJo, he wouldn't have got the fight, right? But that's why he got the fight. But um, a lot of people thought he had turned the corner when he beat Joseph, uh, you know, JoJo Diaz. So that's why I think I brought that's why I brought that up because a lot of people are like, oh, he turned the corner now. Oh, okay, this he actually is looking for, you know a little bit better or whatever. But I did like how you, you know, broke it down because you know it was at a weight. Not only that, but we knew something whether it was you know parting for sure, you know everything right, food, a lot of different shit that we won't talk about right now. But you know legal stuff. A lot of shit going on in his life, so that wasn't necessarily, you know, the guy who fought even, well, it definitely wasn't, because that was that featherweight, the guy who, who put up a good performance even against Gary Russell a handful of years back, so I did like how you broke that down, um, and if you look at it, I mean, like, we could talk about style matchups that probably won't happen, Isak Cruz, I think he could fight him pretty well. Um, I think he could do something to Frank Martin a little bit. Uh, him and Cambosis Jr. I think is a good fight. Maxie Hughes I think is a good fight. Uh, Murtaya, I think Murtaya does have the counter-punching ability um, and, and definitely, you know, some, some power with it. That's kind of an interesting fight too. Um, without naming well, we don't know if Haney's ever coming back, like Shakur or Loma or Gervonta, you know, because, and obviously some of these, we're just talking about the top 10 right now. So I do think he could get a couple wins in the top 10 maybe, but also um, I just, I see, I happen to think that it does, it is going to take a pretty good uh, counter puncher, a guy with some pop, hand speed, and knows what he's doing with defense to beat him cleanly. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I actually do think that. So maybe we we're just a little, you know, separated there, but um, I'm trying to think of some other fights that, you know, um, I mean, Ryan Garcia, you know, I think Ryan Garcia would beat him. Um, but I don't know. I just think, I think he's, I, I hear what you're saying. Guys like this with the copy box stuff. Um, and, and guys with power, real power, um, and I'm not trying to equate that together, but, you know, we do see some of those guys get overvalued, and I think that was your whole point is I think he's being a little overvalued, uh, and I do agree with it, but I, I still think that it's not going to be some sort of walk in the park unless you are Shakur Stevenson or something like that or Javante, um, but, you know, he needs some big fights now. Like you said, it is competition. He's, you know, doing damage, but time to step up the competition. So, uh, unless you want to note anything else from that card, let's go to Luis Alberto Lopez and Yoet Gonzalez, which 
was a competitive fight. You know, I, I did think Lopez won the fight. Um, what were your thoughts on that one? Because uh, Joette, it seems like he had a good first round, and then somewhere mid-rounds, like sixth round and on, he really started to kind of get more in the fight, and I definitely gave him a good chunk of rounds, although I did think that it was a clean win, even if it was 7-5 to five or something like that. I didn't agree with 118-110, uh, but what would you think of that fight? Because speaking of weird styles, um, Alberto, the whole time that he's been the last few years, you know, it felt like he hit his ceiling there with those two losses. And I just thought, man, man I don't know, you know. Just don't, he's just so kind of all over the place with his style. and But, you know, the guy has timing. He does have some defense. And at the same time, though, because he, he moves pretty well, He's got that weird-ass uppercut and that, you know, that leaping stuff, John. But I also, there's just times where he's, like, looking at the ref or, or like, letting the guy hit him on the clinch, like, cleanly. And you're like, dude, you just gave away that round. His game plan is just weird unless he's, like, active and busy and he's kind of on the move but active. Um, And it seems like he was kind of going all over the place with the good and the bad of his style as far as being – a top-notch guy at this weight class. But I do respect where he is now compared to where he was in, like, 2018, 2019. What were your thoughts on the fight, and how close did you have it? Because some people had it like a draw, um, while other people were like, no, I I, I thought, uh, you know, Lopez won, but I I didn't agree with, you know, whatever, one of those wide scores. On the scoring, I, I didn't think Kriegel was that off like some people said. I For myself on this one, I thought 7-5 either way or draw was reasonable. But I'm going to be fair, even though I had it this way, like I've talked about the judging sometimes because this was one of those fights. You know, there's no rule that you have to give alternate close rounds you know, one to one fighter, one to the other. I think a lot of people do, and they won't admit it. So, like, as much as I kind of wanted to yell about the scorecards, it kind of was one of those fights that if you gave all the close rounds to Lopez, and if it was a competitive fight, you might get scores along the lines they had. So, in that sense, I decided not to yell about it, even though, in my view of it, it was like a, I could have settled for a draw. I could have even settled for Gonzalez 7-5. I could live with Lopez 7-5, like you were saying. Uh, so, you know, for, for me, in that sense, no big no big controversy, but I do think that there was a, a case to give Gonzalez the fight. So I actually didn't think myself that Kriegel was off in that one. I thought the way he had it along the way, too, was reasonable. Um, you know, as you mentioned, there, there just was a point in the fight where Gonzalez started out pretty good, and then he kind of didn't do something for a while and looked like it was getting away from him. But then, like you said, he picked it back up. I saw it that way, too, and kept it picked back up and, and you know, made it tight where he could even make an argument for getting the decision. I also agree with your assessment of Lopez. It's surprising for a 5'4 featherweight who's 30 years old, but I, I see the same thing. You wouldn't think it would work, but this is an instance, 
it's almost like to me like a like an odd couple pairing that worked. Um, and you know, you credit Lopez for doing it. I mean, the bringing in Kay Caroma, it's kind of like you know, Kay Caroma is a, a guy who trains pros who had that top amateur training pedigree. So you know, he's really worked with the amateur style, you know, U.S. amateur style guys that were good amateurs in the U.S. Lopez coming from the exact opposite background, you know, coming up in Mexico, you know, unheralded, no real background or anything, kind of learning on the job, finding out he had some talent, but then having to pull these upsets to get on anybody's radar screen. But, but you know, then him getting with Caroma, it, it's and it's funny because, again, a 5'4 featherweight, and I'm with you, he's totally unorthodox, and, you know, with Kay Caroma, you'd be thinking the opposite teaching orthodox boxing but what i see in these recent fights with caroma and you know we were talking about it in the conlon fight um, when i was comparing it was funny but it was true like he he was pulling pernell whitaker moves on coddles at the end and i was like this thing's over this thing's over (laughs) just randomly and you know of course pernell whitaker you know was a great amateur olympic gold medalist and then a great pro as well you know two-time legit champ I mean, you know, legit lightweight and welterweight champion, uh, among other belts. But, you know, getting back to the point, that's kind of what I see here, though, is like it's like Coloma has kind of taken his ability to work with boxers, and he hasn't, like, ruined Lopez or made him something he's not. But yet when you watch these last couple of fights, you can kind of just see some influence of Coloma where like this guy's a better boxer. Now he was, he was doing a little bit of that on his own before he got Coloma. And, and it, even though it's totally unorthodox and just like you said, it's a lot with hands down. And even though he's a 30 year old five, four featherweight, he's fortunate in the sense the wear and tear hasn't been bad enough where he, he's still got some speed and reflexes. I mean, I don't think that's going to be able to continue much longer even though it has an advanced age for a featherweight. But right now, the Coroma thing is working where Coroma's just kind of given him a little bit more of a refined boxing nature within that unorthodox style he's got. And he's got good pop, too, and he puts that together. And as you said, Chris, he was doing that more in this fight, even though there was moments where he had lapses. I do see an improvement where when the fight's getting tight now, he, he does, he does pick up his volume some, you know, you can, you, you see that a little more in him the last couple of fights than you did even before that. Like he, he does seem to be more conscious of picking up uh, when things get tight more than he was, which, which helps him. And he needed that in a fight like this. I mean, if you were going to find reasons for him to get the decision, you know, he never hurt Gonzalez bad or anything in this, even though Gonzalez did get busted up a little bit. Gonzalez also landed some good shots on Lopez. But, uh, you know, Lopez just picked up his volume enough. He still has the lulls, but I do see he, he picks it up better. So, you know, I, I could have seen Gonzalez edging it out, could see a win for Lopez, wouldn't have argued with the draw. But uh, to me, not really a, a controversy where you say he shouldn't have gotten the decision. And it probably was one of those fights where, you could even justify the scorecards only in the sense that if they had, they would have had to give every close round to Lopez, but really you can do that. There's not, there's not a judging rule that you can't do right, that. And have to flip it. Yeah. 
right, you have to flip it, even though people do it on their own cards all the time, and probably a lot of judges do it. So I think we, in all fights, we got to sometimes keep that in mind when, when a lot of times we all get tempted to do it, but some people are going to do it anyway. Like, they start immediately screaming like you couldn't have it that wide, and I, I think when you really look at it logically, well, if you gave every close round to one guy, you could have Good. it that wide. And then people want to say, no, no, you could, but what really, when you think about it, you can, you can have a competitive fight and you think one guy just doing a little bit better though, each round and what he's doing, even though you, you're, you know, they're tight and you just keep, keep giving the rounds to the same guy. That's what I would just say there. I, I myself thought it was closer, but you know, it was one of those ones you probably could have made an argument for Lopez in all those rounds, but I could also see Kriegel's card where you, you make an argument for Gonzalez in some of those rounds enough for him to pull it out, you know, 115, 113, 75. So, uh, and then just in the fight all around, it was a good fight, but with these two being put together, maybe you thought, not even maybe, I, I thought it might be a little better of a fight. And it wasn't a bad fight, don't get me wrong. Very competitive, not a bad fight at all. I enjoyed it, but I just thought with this style matchup, uh, with the yeah. kind of fight Gonzalez had had with Navarrete and, you know, Lopez has been in some good ones when he was, uh, you know, pulling the, pulling the upsets. Uh, you know, the Conlon was brief, but exciting the way he dispatched him. I, I thought it, I thought it might be a better TV fight, a, a little more yeah. exciting than it was. So it was in terms of the way it played out. Yeah. Just Super I, competitive. I right. Competitive, not a bad fight at all, not a boring fight, but not quite when they put these two guys together. What I thought we might get, and you know, whenever boxing's on regular ESPN like that, I'm always hoping for the very best. So that disappointed me just just a touch. Yeah, that's a good call. That is a good call. I did. There was too many lulls, and honestly. It would be both of them. We can't just point the finger at, El, you know, Luis Alberto Lopez because Joel sometimes would be like, hey, dude, you got to get back on your jab, dude. Every time you jab, you win the round. Um, but, yeah, like the first round, I, I definitely thought that he won, um, you know, beyond a couple uppercuts or whatever, but he was pushing him back at times. He was jabbing really well. And you know how you say the flip him? You don't have to flip him. And this is where a draw round comes in, John. This is where it's okay to say six five one or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, just to, you know. Now I don't want. I don't think people should knee jerk to do that either, right? We don't want to knee jerk any close round. Oh, it has to be a draw. You can't score it either way. We're not saying that, or I'm not saying that either. But um, but I like your point of you don't have to do that. Um, and 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 it matters what happens in the damn round. Did you? Did they both get buzzed? Okay, you know that, or or was it kind of one-sided with the punches? But the guy who was getting hit a lot buzzed him, so he landed ultimately the best shot. So you got to give it to him, you know. So it, there is context, there is nuances to this. But the second round, to me, that was a close, close, close round. Could have went either way. I gave it to Lopez, but not. I just thought he landed the better shot, but it was super close. Um, I did so the the first two rounds could have went to Gonzalez. The third, the fourth, the fifth, I was comfortable giving them, uh, get, you know, giving that to Lopez. I thought the uppercut, the left hooks, and he had his jab going, and that's where I was kind of like, hey, get back on your jab. 
Don't worry about pushing him back because sometimes if you push Lopez too much and come to him too much, that's what he wants as well. So, and you got that reach. It doesn't mean you need to box on the outside, but you can stand that range and have that reach that and take advantage of that. Now, I thought that sixth round, there was a big right hand, some body work. That could have been, you know, that that was a tough round because, you know, it is one of those rounds that I, I believe that Gonzalez may have gotten buzzed in. It gave a very good round, but I don't think he threw much in the last minute. I gave the seventh to the Lopez. Eighth round has question marks left and right. Another close round. Um, like you said, many of them. Then the last nine, 10, and 11, I definitely gave to Gonzalez. For me, more consistent. Just, you know, bringing the jab, pressure, body punching. Uh, you know, I, I thought he, I, I, whereas Lopez, just he had his little moments, but he wasn't doing enough. You know, he wasn't actually, I, the ninth, 10th, and 11th, I did give Lopez the 12th because he was more active. He landed the better shots. Like he said, he finally got his shit in gear and be like, hey, dude, you might lose this fight. Um, of course, and it was kind of funny, you know, John, when they, <laughs> I don't know what, sometimes, and this isn't just to pick on ESPN, but we're talking about ESPN fight. The last, I think it has to do, obviously, with, the promoter, the direct promoter deal with the network where it wasn't exactly like that before with HBO and Showtime. Sure, uh, Golden Boy at times did have some dates that they were guaranteed and yada, 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 but it wasn't so strong that way because Bradley's up there saying the, the, the judges don't, you know, they don't judge damage. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, like, I know you're not supposed to. But then you kind of are, you know, like what kind of damage are we talking about? Are we talking about high cheekbones and your, your eyes swell more? Okay, that makes more sense. To say that a judge doesn't, uh, you know, look at damage, they do, though, like in reality. And he also said they don't – this is what got me, John. He's like, they don't care who the champion is. It's like, what? What do you, what do you mean they don't care who the fucking champion Like. Yes, they do. Like, they sure do. I mean, I'm not saying these individual judges, although 118-110 tells me they care who the champion is, but I'm not necessarily taking this as an example, but we see it all the fucking time. So it's just such a weird thing to go through the whole fight, say how close it is and how great it is, and say those two lines about they don't judge damage. Yeah, they do. And they don't care who the champion is, and then they get the shitty. You know, I think one eighteen, one ten is a shitty card. <clears throat> no matter who, I don't think you can give nine three to anybody either. <clears throat> but I do agree, eight four. I think seven to five either way. Six 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 five one. I agree. I do think Gonzalez could have won this fight, but it's just so weird to go through that whole thing. It's like, are you sure, Bradley? I mean. Right. Because that's not what we see in the guy. You know, we've been watching. You're a better, you know, knowledgeable guy than us, and, and you fought. You actually did it. We respect you, but it's just crazy, dude. I just, it just, I don't know. I just had to rant. I had to vent. That's all. Especially in boxing, like I said, this has been kind of a unique deal with ESPN and Top Rank. They're the only promoter on there, and they have this deal which has proven to be true, C 
seen it said early on by top-ranked people, and then it has played out that way, where ESPN is also deferring to top rank, deciding what other boxing, if any, that gets put on there. So, like, whenever any other fight gets on there, top rank's got to say, yeah, we're, we're okay, we, we think this should be on there. So, you know, there, anytime anything else gets on there, it's, it's uh, because of them. Now, it does help us with something like in the U.S., which we'll be talking about this one, of course, and you'd already mentioned it, but you know, you got Zhang and Joyce on in the U.S. in the late afternoon Eastern time uh, on Saturday, which is good, except except for being on at the same time as the Deion Sanders in Colorado game. It's it's good otherwise, but um, right, right. You know, but top rank, you know, that's because it's a Frank. Speaking Warren. of biased commentators, <laughs> I have to admit, watching those games, they are pretty biased towards Deion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, and that's where you've had some shifts, like in all sports. I mean, it's not yep. that the leagues didn't always have the deals, but it's really where sports broadcast journalism, where you had a concept of that and a concept of even play-by-play guys doing national games, supposed, you know, supposed to be neutral and things like that. I mean, really, even though you had legendary home team announcers, I mean, even the homers were supposed to keep some of objectivity, um, but that's that's all gone mostly now. Like in other words, you've got guys doing NFL games who they're they think they're not even expected to challenge the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, well, we, hey, right. we we know we're getting paid, and we're our you know our network's got a lot invested in this. Like, like they don't even they don't even think you should expect them to have any kind of integrity like that anymore. Um, and, you know, of course you get it in boxing, but you're getting it more in all sports than you used to. And and I find it annoying. I find it where um, I don't like listening to a lot of commentators anymore. It's because of those types of reasons. It's like the mix between that factor and the factor that I've probably mentioned this before. It's amazing because even though, you could arguably say he was one of these guys on his own. Howard Cosell said in one of his last books that I thought he was really prescient. He, it was like he had a crystal ball. He he said being in the business that, you know, one, once they started writing articles, sports articles about the broadcasters, that the broadcasters would become intolerable and you couldn't listen to them because it would be all about them. And you get a lot of that. So I'm I'm diverging on to my uh, own. Especially way, with the rise I, of social media, I mean, a lot right. they're literally paid off their I- impressions, you know. Yeah. So and then you have social media is added to that even more, and and Cosell saw that coming, you know, 25, 30 years ago, and uh, it, it came true to me. So like it it's that combination now where announcers doing an infomercial, plus thinking. Because one thing you can say, which is the truth, even though we all have announcers we like, and, you know, this does apply to fights we're talking about, like, nobody's tuning. I mean, if Zang's fighting Joyce on Saturday, you and I aren't tuning in because of who the commentators are aren't. We're tuning in for that fight. And that's true for the Super Bowl, too. Like, that's what's kind of laughable about, you know, what, what the, the commentators, and they, they make a big deal about a lot of them and stuff. Like, I mean – that's not affecting whether you're tuning into the Super Bowl or not. Now, with modern technology, 
even though you could do this in the old days with the radio too, but it, it's going to affect me whether I press the, the mute button on my TV or not. But, <laughs> to, to, you know, shut down the commentators and maybe put yep. something else on during it. But it's not going to affect whether I watch the game or not, you know, who, who's doing the game. I mean, that's, that's like that, that concept's like really pretty ridiculous. So um, anyway, yeah, like you're right. You know, like ultimately like you're saying, and I mean, Bradley's had good moments of candor, but, but then you have other moments where, look, you know, it's a top rank thing and the way they have a deal with the network. Right. What, what do you think he's got? Other times you say, what do you think he's going to say? And, and, you know, you get it. You get it with the others too, but uh, it 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 gets to be a bad listen for for all of us. You know, I mean, it's like kind of an insult to your intelligence, and and it goes to all sports. It's not just boxing. Yeah, you're right. Definitely, there's, there's no doubt about it. And some of that talking head stuff uh, for a long time, both political and sports, uh, ESPN and all that. That stuff was just about say something wild and have a big argument or just, or just argue a side. Like that's what your job is today. You argue this side, that person argues that side and, and you move on. Um, but yeah, it, it just, uh, I did think that was a very close fight. I was okay. Like you said, with, uh, you know, Lopez winning, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, um, it, it, it's definitely different. It is definitely, it's one thing to like, you know, we knew, which broadcasters like, you know, liked a certain style of fight or fighter or whatever. We, we knew that stuff. And we knew Larry Merchant was going to say something about Floyd. And we knew, you know, everyone has their little personal biases. Everybody does, right? But it wasn't this over the top all the time, you know. And that goes right. for a lot of other places, too. Like you said, sports and within boxing. Um you know, not much to speak of for the Xander Zayas fight. Quick, you know, got rid of him really quick. They were saying how sharp he looked early. I thought it was a sharp right hand. <laughs> he got a, like, or a left hand, I'm sorry. It was like a, it, it actually was a great time shot, that, that first knockdown. The second one, it kind of held him into place and then landed the right hand. That was crafty. But I didn't see... Zaya is like, oh, my God, he, I've never seen him this focused. And stuff. I, I, I didn't see that part. Uh, the dude, though, Valenzuela, was just bleeding out of that nose. And that I remember that doctor opened up, like, with his thumb, he, like, opened up the cut for a second. Like, dude, you didn't need to do that. Dude, like, come on. Uh, but anyway, um, not much to take out of there. Um, you look at, you know, um, Emiliano. Uh, Vargas, he got a spot. We'll see where he goes. Obviously, he's got the look. He's, you know, he, he looked pretty good doing what he did. Uh, you know, it's not like he faced anybody with pedigree or anything. But he's a young fighter, so you know, he's, he's, they're gonna, they're probably gonna, you know, you know, wait a little bit, obviously, and, and, and bring him along. But you know, he definitely has the look, the backing, and all that. We'll see where it goes, and you know, as he climbs the ladder from prospect to becoming a contender. Um, any other items dealing with this card or anything like that? Or if you wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the, the fights from overseas, the Nakatani and the Kinshura, um, anything else that you want to talk about? Uh, you know, cause we do have uh, 
two big fights I want to talk about coming up um, for this weekend. Uh, only I think I just had Zaya. Seem, you know, he, he's young, but you know, when you've had enough fights, and, and like I've been saying, I mean, really, for for safety of fighters in terms of how many shots you're taking when you get older, I think there's a really good argument, you know, based on the, the medical science that you should, you know, get in and get out quicker at your age. So why I'm saying that with Zaya is, is he, he's very young, you know, of course, in your chronic age, but he's getting more fights in. Um, I'd like to... I, he seems to have leveled off to me. That's that's what I'm getting to. Like, and you know, I don't think he can just say, well, because of his age. Because, like I said, it's actually good to, in theory, get in and get out. So, you know, you, you got some of these guys who, where it's a little more like old school, where, you know, they're in their late teens and early twenties, and they're already moving along. Yeah, it, it is younger than some of these guys we've seen more recently you know, out of the old Soviet system who, which you never used to see, you know, turn pro at advanced ages. And they had had, some of them had the world series of boxing and stuff and, you know, became top professionals, obviously. Um, the old way would be, you'd be coming up younger anyway, but like I keep saying, probably should be discussed more. I mean, ideally for boxers, for safety, uh, from a neurological perspective, you know, if, if, if your career was like from 20 to 30, that's the way it should be, and you were out, you know. So what I'm what I'm getting to is Zayas has had enough fights now, even though he's young. I mean, I, you want to see the progress, and, you know, he got the stoppage here, but I, I don't see him landing the good shots he was earlier. And, of course, you, know, you always say that the opposition gets better, and, of course, who he's fighting now is better than he was fighting, but he, he hasn't fought a real high level of opposition yet, even with – with guys like he was fighting Saturday. Um, so I, I see, he kind of seems to have leveled off. I, you don't, you don't seem to see the, the accuracy you were seeing earlier um, and, and the pop. So, uh, and you know, top rank doesn't have, he's at 154 now. Top rank's really got nobody there for him. Um, I don't know, you know, these guys who are, who are the prospects, you know, they're, they're getting, I know what they're trying to do, but it's, it's kind of debatable. You know, should, should they get these prime TV undercard spots, especially with the level of opposition they're fighting? And you, know, you, you can make some argument both ways, but, but I more lean against it. That, that's a little bit where the old way was a little better. And I've been meaning to mention this, and, and the Zayas, and you even mentioned Vargas too. And, you know, again, he – well, let's face it, you know, got to be fair. I've said it with a guy like Campbell Hatton, and I'm not saying Vargas isn't better, but still, you know, we're seeing him because he's. Oh, well, we know, saw that with Fox, Vargas. too. Remember the Fox yeah, deal yeah. that a lot of times they'd open with a, a prospect, you know, well under 10 fights. Right. They, so they were trying that, right. PBC was trying when they had the Fox deal. You kind of get it. And I was given somewhat of a pass because they were trying to get these guys the regular TV. When I say that, I mean you know, ESPN or when PBC was on Fox, which obviously they aren't anymore. But it's it's not really the best. And look, it didn't really work. And there's reasons for that. Like sort of the old way. And and look, you know, we have streaming now, so things change. And I, I agree. Like I can't I can't make a logical argument that we should be banned from seeing a fighter. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't make a logical argument that if Showtime wants to stream a, a prospect on YouTube or 
Top Rank wants to stream Zayas on ESPN Plus that they can't, you know, that, that it shouldn't be on there. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to make that argument. So I see that. But where right. the old school, the old school was kind of like this. This is, this is what I'm saying is, is, is where there probably still would, there would be a place for it with like the old PBC Fox shows and what the top ranks still doing on ESPN, which is this, like actually the, the, the TV combined with the promoter is like the screener. So it would be something like this. Let's let me make an example of somebody who has like looked good, but you know, we're getting him, we're seeing his fights. You know, he hasn't been on the regular ESPN, but like on the ESPN plus like Bruce Carrington, I think he looks good, but like, like the old way would be like, Bruce Carrington fights 15 fights and starts fighting some tough guys and then proves he can do it. And then they say, like, Bruce Carrington's going to fight a guy who's already top 10 who's maybe starting to fade a little or something, and it's going to be on ESPN you know, or it's going to be on Fox. or like, like, then you see, you know what I mean? Then he gets seen shown to the big audience. Like, that probably works a little also, bit Also, when because, the fighter's ready, you know? Right. And the fighter's ready for it. Yeah, then they're also making sure, but, but you don't have to, like, Steven Espinosa had a really good comment, like, maybe, like, five years ago, and he's in the business, and, you know, like we've said before, you know, you agree, like, sometimes he'll, he'll just have the real good moments of candor, and I think this was one of them. It hasn't been brought up enough, but it's kind of where boxing is a mess. First, we don't have casual fans, but even we did, like, this is the Steven Espinosa comment that I thought was really good that he said maybe four or five years ago, he said the casual fan doesn't even know what to watch. That's where we have a problem now. And see, he's absolutely right. About no doubt that about that. Right, exactly. Like let's say you were a casual fan and you, you put on that Zayas fight, you know, or, or Vargas. And, and you're like, well, this isn't that good. You know, this guy he's fighting is not that good. And, and I don't even know how good this guy is. And I'm not that entertained, you know? I mean, really like, I mean, that would be, casual fan would be said so um you know and, and like like the casual fan not knowing what to watch could just flip that with that on and not know what it is i mean they're they're not like you and i and hardcore fans where they know all these guys and this is a prospect and you know they're just watching they're like what's this and, and that that's not getting you know that's not getting any of them back and that's been going on for years now so um i mean yeah, i, I it, even missed I even missed the damn. I, I I was a day off with those fights from Japan, and I'm a hardcore. You know, I was I was like, right. oh, that's right. For some reason, I thought it was Tuesday morning. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's hard to follow it, and then with the too many weight classes. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to be talking about from last weekend. But it's a good segue into we can get into this weekend stuff. But um, one thing that I've been thinking for decades might happen, and I I feel like we're there. It's a sad thing, and. You know, I'm on transnational. You're trying to keep order, but I can see the problems even trying to do that for people that are trying to do the right thing, which where we're at. You know, I always thought there would come a day in boxing where, you know, with all the alphabet stuff and then even the lineal people trying to keep track, but becoming too difficult and too many weight classes, that we would just be down to where it's kind of just fights. And it's just like kind of who you fight or who people feel like seeing fight. I mean, it's always somewhat like that, but but it's not really about, you know, being a champion or making a title defense because it, it just got it just gets too muddled and nobody can really keep track and nobody cares enough anymore. I think we're there. So I am actually – it's a very sad moment, but I'm ready to declare 
we're, we're there. It just, and you know, Chris, you were talking about the Spence Crawford. It, singling those two guys out, I don't mean that at all, but it's a perfect current example because, like, I'm not really even trying to take sides on it, but I think it is a good current perfect example and it fits in what you are talking about earlier. So Crawford beats Spence, which, you know, by any recognition by anybody, you know, would be the lineal title in a traditional division. Um, and then we had a debate if a rematch is going to be at 154 pounds or not, which it wouldn't be for that title. So what I'm saying is, and like what I'm saying is in an era where, and I'm not, this is actually not a faulting Errol Spence. Like, like some people would take it that way. I'm not taking it that way. I mean, it's a sport problem. Like in other words, if, if the welterweight title meant what it's supposed to mean, and I'm not talking about criticism of Errol Spence, I'm talking about a criticism of the sport. Like then, you know, Errol Spence would be the first one saying, yeah, I've, I've had trouble making 147 and I feel drained and everything, but I want to be welterweight champion of the world. You know, we, we got to get this on again at 147 pounds and I got to be, I got to be declared the welterweight champion of the world, you know, the same title that Sugar Ray Robinson had and Sugar Ray Leonard had, but that's not where we're at. I'm not saying about Errol Spence. I'm saying that for everybody. I mean, everybody's doing that. It's just. Right, right, right. I know what you're saying. Like, look at at the Fury and and Usyk. You got people saying, including transnational in the ring and, you know, the majority of the alphabet saying Usyk's the champ, but I'm actually on the side, even though his conduct lately hasn't been good and he's fighting Nugano, you know, Fury's the lineal champ. You got to win it in the ring. But like, in other words, even hardcore people, you know, you can't, you can't come to any agreement on that. That's all muddled where it shouldn't be. Um, And yeah, I know in boxing history, you've always had some of this, but not like this. I think, you know, look, let's face it, Chris, we've lost now in boxing where a champ can win the quote unquote real title. And then, that champ is going to go and make 10 real defenses, okay? Like, I mean, that's gone. There's too many weight classes. There's too many alphabet belts. There's no order. Or like I said with the Spence Crawford, enough meaning put on the quote-unquote real title. So you, you, you've lost that. I mean, this, this undisputed thing is not doing it without it's – because it's, it comes from the alphabet, and then – they're immediately there's a strip tease when they get the belt, so you can't get back to real defenses. And then some people want to say, oh, like, like you know, fighter, but like well, Taylor had all the 130 belts and, and was the, you know, agreed on by everybody. You know, how, how does then he doesn't have one and pro gray becomes a champ? You know, it's just all that kind of stuff. You could pull out, you know, any division. Like, like I said, you know, you know, Fury's talking to crazy stuff, so supposedly Usyk becomes the real champ because he has a fight with Joshua, who he already beat. <laughs> you know, in the in the meantime, I mean, it, it's just we, we, we've lost. It, it's just, it's, it's destroyed. I mean, so it, it actually ties into, like, look, I'm still going to be watching, though, but th- it's a shame that all this stuff's destroyed, but I think then, we've been on the edge of this a lot of times, and I think we're just there now, like, for good. Like, it just comes down to fights. I mean, like, they don't lead to anything specific, but, like, who who do you want to see fight, you know? And and are they going to be fighting? And, and that's what you're going to watch. And if it's somebody that you really don't care about seeing fighting, 
you're not going to care what their what their belt is or you know what what their supposed championship status is. Right. Yeah. Um, so we got a rematch here. Joe Joyce. We got Joyce saying. Um, I, I'm I am I'm kind of going back and forth with this one, you know, uh, um, because yeah. we know how Joyce has to win the fight. He's going to have to take a lot on the chin, um, and he's going to have to more than likely put him down, or at least hurt him a couple times in the fight to where he's almost down, so you can clearly see he won the round or whatever. The jab, the counter. Some of the things that Zhang was able to do at will in the first round or in the first fight, um, I don't see a lot of that going away. Now, we can see what weight Joyce is going to come into. I know that was talked about, um, and I think that's a fair statement. Um, But I can see Joyce coming through some of this stuff, um, potentially, um, because that's how – I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny because we knew that he's a locomotive just coming at you. Pretty damn good chin. Showed a good chin in this fight. It's not like he got knocked out or something like that. Um, and he's not going to win a ton of rounds right away. It takes him a little while to, to get going. And, and just in that fight, we know he's slow, right, John? Obviously. But it just seemed like, you know, a mismatch. In, a, in some times, it really did. Other times, though, I don't know how many rounds I could give Joyce, but I did see what he's good at and what he can do again. And his style, although it can be exploited, it can work in this fight, too. I, I'm kind of all over the place. Right now, I am leaning Zhang. Uh, what's your thoughts on this rematch here? Well, let's first say I went on the negative rant but it leads into something like this as a positive. This is just two legit top 10 guys, two big heavyweights. Uh, you know, I like seeing the heavyweights, Like I want to see this fight. So we're getting it on ESPN plus in the U S in the afternoon. This is one I wish even more people could see. I wish this fight was on regular ESPN. That's, that's what I find a shame sometimes is like to me, like get this on regular ESPN somewhere at a good time, but whatever, at least we're getting it. And, I care about this fight. I want to see this fight. To me, it's a positive of boxing, especially where we are because of what I just ranted about, when it's just going to come down to fights we want to see or fighters we want to see. This fits the bill for me. So I'm, I'm all in on this Saturday. This is an intriguing rematch. The first fight was very entertaining and a huge upset. Like you said, I did think Zhang dominated the first fight, but you did see a flash or two as Joyce was just hanging in there where, where maybe, maybe he could do something, but um, look, odds makers, as we always say, it's their job to set, set this, this stuff. And they have to kind of gauge the collective wisdom and know what they're doing. They've got it very close to even money. I saw today Zhang at a minus minus one twenty, Joyce Joyce minus one Oh five. So, Zhang's about as slight a favorite as you can get, but he is the favorite. Um, you know, one thing you and I did agree on, and I think we were in the minority, but I'm going to stay with it. Uh, you know, and I agree this is a tough fight to call, but you and I did 
agree. I think we're in the minority that, look, Joyce, he's in his late 30s, even though he lost this one and got stopped, this rematch. Uh, I think with boxing politics, it's, it's actually been un- – this has been underrated. Uh, I think the winner of this fight probably has a decent chance because of boxing politics are getting fury. So I don't think people have probably talked about that enough, whether you like it or not. That's probably why they haven't, because a lot of people don't like it. You know, yeah, I'd like to see the use of right. fight too. But again, this is boxing. There's politics. I think with boxing's politics, the winner of this fight may very well be getting fury. So uh, in that sense, it's important too. Um, I think, you know, again, and, I, and I'm going to say it even if Joyce loses Saturday, as analysts of decision-making and predictions say, it, and this is right, this is where human thinking even advances, gets better. you got to look at whether the decision was right or not, not necessarily what the outcome is. And I'm going to say this here, you know, on Tuesday night with the fight Saturday, win or lose, I think the rematch is the right decision for Joyce here. Uh, you know, fighters are fighting less and less frequently. You're trying to get that big fight. Like I said, the winner of this could be in, in a real position for Fury, and, and Joyce has the promotional connection there. So, look, even if it doesn't work out, I think it was the right decision. So if, if I feel it's the right decision, then, then there's got to at least be some way I think he can avenge it. And I do, and I'm with you. I've gone back and forth on this, and I think, as you mentioned, especially with heavyweights, you've got to see what the weights are. So I'm going to make a call tonight, but I do want to see what the weights are. Usually it's, it's not going to be so decisive in my thinking it's going to change it, but a heavyweight, you can tell most of the time what condition they're in by, you know, what the weight is from the last time. So, like, just I'm not saying this is going to happen. And the fact it, that he came in light, too. You know, right. It came in light last time. But I'd say, like, you know, if either of these guys, though, comes in like 30 pounds heavier or something like that, like, you know, Zhang comes right, in at right. 300 or, you know, Joyce comes in at 295 or something. I mean, forget, you know, for, forget it. They're not they're not prepared like they should be. Um, you know, even though there was a talk of Joyce coming in light last time, but. So you got to look at that with heavies especially. So with that said, if one guy looks really out of condition, that in a fight this close, that could get me thinking about swinging it. But I had to think about it hard because, you know, it was a big upset the first time. Joyce couldn't do his usual thing. You and I both agreed, again, unlike a lot of others, they, looking at the eye, the eye was certainly a factor, but as well as the eye, it was Joyce got nailed in the first. And he didn't look the same after that. And as you said correctly, Chris, and I think this still applies even in this rematch, Joyce is going to get hit a lot. Uh, it's been a problem. The chin's been good. I mean, he didn't he didn't get dropped even in that fight with Zhang, who could bang and was nailing him clean a lot of times, especially after the eye was damaged. So I think we know that chin's for real. I mean, Joyce, that really was one where he could have kind of just conceded in the corner. He still came out before it got stopped. I, I think that was somewhat of a credit to him, especially in hindsight. I mean, there was enough toughness there. So I think that's in his favor. Zhang, the key was he got off to the quick start, and then he was able to and, – and you could see him dictating this too. He was able to keep it in spurts. He would, he would back Joyce off with right. spurts, but then he would stop. 
See, that's the key. And, and to me, that's the key to the whole thing. Joyce, he even said it in a recent interview, but you could you could hear it in his corner with Salas anyway, and you assumed it going in. It was obvious the game plan in the first fight was to box Zhang a little bit early, use the jab, not not come out as strong as he normally did, talking about with the high volume, and then figure that this guy was just going to completely gas out after the sixth round. Uh, even in the corner. As Joyce was taking the damage, that remained the plan. You could hear Salas saying to him, this guy's going to get tired, this guy's going to get tired. And he might have, but Joyce just got too busted up. I thought the stoppage was good. He was getting hit at will by a big power puncher. He couldn't stop anything, and those were big, heavy shots. He was severely damaged. I think the stoppage was right. So what can, what can he do? I think there's two, there's two ways he could go about it. I, I think they might be thinking they're just going to do the first way and not get nailed early. But I myself don't think that, jo- that Joyce has the defense for that. I think it's not impossible for that to work, but I think it's less likely. I said it when you and I were talking, Chris, at the end of the first, I'm going to use the, one of the greatest fights of all time as an example again. It's not because these guys are on that level of ability and they are at a different weight, but I just do think it fits for what I'm talking about here. You know, nobody thought going into Hagler-Hearns that Hagler should be charging Tommy Hearns and turning it into a brawl right off the bat, uh, backing him up, and then making the pace so intense, using his good chin, that he exhausted him. But he did that, and it was one of the greatest surprise and successful fight plans in boxing history, without a doubt. And, I, and that's coming from me, who was a huge Hearns fan, and thought you couldn't do that to Tommy Hearns because he had too much power. And look, in, within that, he, he buckled Hagler once. And really, I would say that that was the most hurt you'd ever seen Marvin Hagler in his career because the Roldan knockdown wasn't yeah, really a real true. knockdown. And he got cut when the doctor had to look at it. So he took damage. He took damage, but the chin was so good. He had so much faith in the game plan that he was able to – get Hearns exhausted, basically, just just at that pace. He didn't give him any room to breathe, and could, Hearns couldn't sustain it like Hagler could with Hagler's chin and, you know, just stamina and, and resiliency and two-handed power. Uh, so he, Hearns' power and speed couldn't overcome that. I think Joyce has got to do a heavyweight version of that. Now, I think if he gets – he's going to have – he's going to be at risk, you know, just like Hagler was in the Hearns fight – He's going to be at risk. He could get nailed again, which worked against him in the first fight. Uh, he could get his eye busted up again, you know, right right off the bat by doing it. But what I think is if he gets on Zhang with that stamina that he has and that high volume, and I think Zhang's the better power puncher, but he still doesn't have – he just doesn't have anywhere near the volume Joyce has. He can't fight like that. He was still able to get away with fighting in spurts in the first fight. So – my plan, I think, for Joyce would be get on the guy right off the bat with your high volume and just don't give this dude a second to breathe. And I think if he does that, I think he can just turn it into a wild slugfest where Zhang can't keep the pace and he gets him out of there in the first half of the fight. Uh, because we've seen Zhang absolutely exhausted when he had, when he extended himself against Forrest and her goal. I mean, just just out on his feet, literally just out on his feet. And, uh, you know, it, it, in both fights, even though 
it came to a head late. It was starting early. I mean, you you could see it with the guy that he he knew it himself though. But he he just he just gave enough spurts in that first fight where he was hurting Joyce so bad that Joyce was backed off and staying backed off, and that was part of his plan. But I think what Joyce has got to do is. He's just got to stay on him where the guy where he can't fight in spurts. Like in other words, he tries to fire a spurt, and even though it's powerful, Joyce is still on him throwing those punches. Um, I think Joyce is going to be able to. It's a very tough call. I love the way Zhang fought. Learned after the fight more in detail that you know he, he's relocated to Jersey. He's getting the training. He's getting the sparring. It really paid off. But the guy's forty years old. It was a great effort, but he's forty years old. We've seen the stamina problems before. He's not gaining more stamina at 40. He got away with the spurts. So I'm going to think that Joyce finds a way to not take so much damage early, but back back him up, get right on him, and get that high-volume game working, and that Zhang won't be able to sustain the pace. I think if Joyce just tries to use his jab and wait to the second half of the fight, I think it's more likely he's going to get nailed like he did in the first fight. And then Zang right. is going to be able to set his pace and just keep doing damage to him, damage to him, and do the same thing he did in the first fight. So this is where I'm not in the corner. I'm not in the camp. I don't know what he's going to do, but I think his best chance for victory is to start it in, in an intensely paced slugfest right from the minute that first bell rings. And that if he does that, through five or six rounds, Zhang's not going to be able to keep pace, and he's going to—he's just going to get banged out of there because he's just just out of gas, and he can't keep the pace at at forty years old. So, uh, and of course, you know, we also have the X factor where Joyce did get damaged in the first fight, and he's thirty-seven. It's going to take something out of you. So, uh, even though yeah, Zhang's sure. older, Joyce got damaged. But I'm going to—it's a very tough call. I've gone back and forth too. I think I'm going with Joyce now. Uh, that he's going to be able to find the the way to avenge that first loss. I would think by setting a faster pace right off the bat and sticking with it, which we've seen him, he is capable of doing that, uh, and he and he does still have the chin. I think so. Uh, I, I'm going to a tight call. I'm going with Joyce in a tight call where where I think he turns it into a high high pace slugfest and he gets him out of there. Yeah, right now I'm 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 gonna go I'm gonna side on the other side with Zhang, but yeah, I think I that is kind of his best path to victory for sure. Because like you said, if you, if you it's not like it's not like we don't want him to throw the jab, but if that's your main thing, you know, um, yeah, because I don't know, it's like it'll make him gas, and if he's tired, oh well. But he's shown that he gets stronger as the fight goes on. And with that chin, that part we, you know, both of us believe that'll hold up. So that does that does make sense. He he has a better gas tank, so why not just go for it right away? I like that idea. And if I, you know, I mean, it's kind of like when you're watching, uh, you know, football, college football, and you got first half bets, second half bets. John, if I see him in the first round doing that. I would be jumping on the second half. You know, I'd be jumping on the. All right, I, I'm I'm gonna find a way to put my money on him because that that would actually I think that would be the the way he's gonna win. And and obviously, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, just waiting for him to get tired, and then you're just gonna you're just gonna jab and get countered because he he's only gonna do it more. Right. You know, if you know. 
like we said, that's I mean, that, that's how rematches tend to go. So yeah. I'm looking at it just like you said, Chris, but you hit the key to me is that Joyce has a very good heavy jab, but it's just what you said is the key. The problem is, though, when he's just jabbing, he's too slow. He, he gets hit. Like, you know, he, he's not jabbing, and then he's not going to get hit. So that's why I think he's got to start the intense pace right from the opening bell because he can't just jab with Zhang. I mean, Zhang does have amateur pedigree, and that's what we saw in the first fight. You know, he, he can't just jab with Zhang, who's a southpaw. The jab's not as effective against the southpaw, and not get nailed. He's going to get nailed, and he got damaged up in the first fight like that. So I think he's just got to go – like you said, doesn't mean not use the jab, but, but Joyce is just too slow. He gets hit too much anyway. So he, his strength is he's got to make that pace too intense for Zhang right off the bat. And I, don't, and I think if he does that, I don't think Zhang will be able to sustain. And then uh, the, other, um, the other side of that main event, uh, as far as the zone later that night, Richardson Hitchens and Jose Zapata. This is a rough day in general because when you have the rank versus rank, rank versus – you can basically watch from like 11 o'clock in the morning. You can watch rank versus rank the whole freaking Saturday. So it, that part, you know, it's great for us college football fans, but you're right. This stuff's not going to get much attention. Um, Richardson Hitchens is stepping up against Jose Zapata. Um, obviously, you know, I'll say this. I actually thought he was doing pretty good against Progray. Um, and then Progray definitely, in my mind, started to uh, win the fight cleanly. And I remember this because I had money on it. I I actually went progray by decision, and it felt like that until he caught him with something, and then um, Regis just jumped on him, and it was like, oh, there goes my bet right out the window. Um, different style here, obviously. Hitchens not necessarily going to be banging it out with him, trying to knock him out. Now he's a clean puncher and all that. Um, this is kind of an interesting style because it may be you know, a quote-unquote skill fest. We may be more boxing than we think. I mean, if Hitchens then, or if Hitchens comes forward too much, that's probably not the best place for him to be. I think it's an interesting matchup. Um, I, I really like this matchup. I think it's a good fight. Um, you know, if you look at, it's I don't know, if you look at the... Um, the Ramirez fight, you know, some people thought Pedraza beat Ramirez. I didn't. I thought you could make a decent argument uh, that that fight with Ramirez and him could have been a draw or go either way. Now, that was in 2019, though. You know, he actually did get a nice little win over Pedraza. He was in that war. Hasn't necessarily looked himself since that war. And you had, you know, like Vargas. He, didn't really decide until you stepped up the program. You didn't really take on that many more challengers after that branching just war fest. Um, and that was a, a damn good fight, no doubt about it. Um, so is he, you know, right in his prime? I don't think so. I think it represents a nice step up fight for Richardson Hitchens, who 
I've always been like lukewarm on. Some people think he's very sharp. Uh, I think he has some pretty nice pop. I think he has some skills, no doubt about it. But I just, I think he has like scoring, clean punching stuff. Um, you know, he's obviously, you know, does he have enough pop to, to make people respect him? I think the clean punching and accuracy, that can be accomplished there. Um, well, what are your thoughts on this one? Because I, I look at this as a, a step-up fight, and I don't know. I mean, you know, when you start to look at, do you throw a, you think it's, you think it's worth throwing something as far as a flyer out? on a plus 300, plus 320, plus 350 some places for Jose Zapata. I mean, like I said, I do know he's not necessarily what he was a few years back. But what what are your thoughts heading into this one? I think that's the key for me on this one. It it is a legit step up for Hitchens. I'm with you. Hitchens for me, times he's impressed me and times he hasn't looked as good. So it's made me kind of lukewarm on him. Um, I'm not down on him, but he's again, he's kind of impressed me sometimes, and then not as much. So, you know, he, I don't look at him like a, a top prospect up and comer yet. Yet he's not bad either. Um, I, I got Zapata's been a good fighter, a really good solid fighter. He's got some pop, he's got some boxing skill, but I got a feeling going into this one that you know the war with Branchuk. Uh, then get stopped by Pro Gray, who's a good puncher. Uh, combined with all his other fights, I I don't think he's probably he's going to have enough to hunt down Hitchens and uh, you know land power on him. So uh, I, I think Hitchens should be able to handle him. That's why you, you know I could see where maybe you're looking as a pace got some pop and you know maybe a level above. I, I don't know if I'd feel good betting on him. I'm I'm looking. Strange fight that's been signed. We'll get to it next week. But but I did see that on DraftKings. I was looking at upcoming flyer. I kind of like Gassi. I mean, uh, well, Valen is a plus two twenty against Gassi. Have the fight yeah. recently got made, coming off already. Gee, I guess strange. The whole thing seems strange to me. But it's apparently happening on the thirtieth. So uh, I, I saw that. I said Valen plus two twenty. I mean, I've always kind of liked Gassi, but. He's been inactive, and a lot of people with him, they they, they stereotype it, you know, because he's from a former Eastern Bloc country, you know, from Russia. But he does not right. have a big amateur pedigree or background. He didn't have that not many amateur fights. <laughs> right. So he's not one of those guys. So, you know, Valen had a pretty good amateur career. Uh, I think he fought Joshua in the amateurs. Um you know, he's become more of a boxer than we expected, expected, but he's a South Point. He's not bad at it. I mean, and I just saw that. I said, plus 220. I thought, I'll, I'll take a flyer on that one. So that's one I just saw today that I'm, I'm a little more high on than Zapata, even though you get better odds with Zapata, and he's got some pop. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Hitchens here probably should win, win a decision. He's not that big of a puncher, you know, Zapata you know, down a lot against Baranchek, even though he survived in that all-time classic brawl, and but then got stopped by Progray. But Progray's a real good puncher, so I would think he can probably go to distance, but i got to figure he's got too, mi- too many miles on the tread to uh, handle Hitchens yeah. at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I got him uh, by decision as well. Um, and, I, and I would 
say that, uh, you know, backing it up with some form of it'll go the distance or over or whatever, just something backing it up if, if you, you know, if folks out there were thinking about taking a flyer. I I, I do wonder about this style matchup um, and if we will get these lulls of, uh, you know, trying to outbox each other. Um, but, you know, Hitchens usually will let his hands go to an extent, and, I, we, you know, definitely Jose will too. So, but I, I don't know. I, I think that it'll take a little while to get into it. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think uh, Hitchens will uh, will get this. And then, you know, he was the one who thought he had the pro-grade fight. This is a good step-up fight for him. And he's, you know, we'll see if he stays with the zone uh, because, you know, he's been kind of, you know, he thought he was in good position where he was. And you can say he still is, but, you know, at match room. But we'll, we'll see if uh, good position to get a, a, a title fight, of course. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Um, any other items that you want to discuss, sir? No, I think that's about it. Uh, Chris, I think uh, we got it all pretty well covered uh, tonight in terms of what was on my uh, mind in terms of boxing. All right. You take it easy, John. Have a good one. Nice dub from uh, your squad there, the Mountaineers. I I, I'm, yeah. I, I looked at – speaking of flyers, John, the plus four and a half uh, with Texas Tech, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about taking a flyer on that one. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Not because I think this WVU is that great, but uh, they got a win they needed uh, against the rival. And the Big 12 is not going to be that strong when you really look at it this year. WVU doesn't play Texas. They play the four new Big 12 teams. So the schedule is in their favor. Interesting. Yeah, they can run the ball. So I think, you know, Texas Tech's not that strong. Uh, Marchiol was a legitimately highly recruited quarterback. You know, of course you got to do it then, but now you know he he's, he was beat out, but but now he's getting the opportunity. I think that's. I'm not just saying it because being a WVU fan uh, and connected with WVU, but I, I do think that's a good flyer. So I think that's a good thought. Um, they're going to be able to on actually. It's not an exaggeration because you look who else is in the Big 12 at this point who they're playing. They're going to be able to run the ball, you know, on, on anybody else in the Big 12. So, um, you know, defense, Pitt was terrible, admittedly, but defense did right. play pretty well. Pitt was terrible. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think you can take the four and a half and feel good about that. Yeah, and they didn't get ran off the field with Penn State in the first quarter. You know what I mean? Uh, it wasn't – now, did I think that they were going to win the game? No, but I didn't think it was some sort of embarrassment or something like that. So, yeah, I think that they – that's interesting. I hadn't looked at their schedule. Um, that's really – that. I'm glad that we had this conversation, though. That's kind of an interesting look at that. They got it. They got – so they got all four new entries, huh? That's kind of an interesting lineup. Yeah, they got a weird all schedule. the four people that came in. That is really strange weird quirk like that and i see now in DraftKings they're getting six and if that it's, it's in morgantown yeah i mean they can they can 
I, I like that. I mean, I think I'll, I think you've called my attention to it. Normally yeah. I've already checked it out, but I was just kind of recovering from the pit game. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll probably take that as well. I mean, because usually playing in Morgantown too. I mean, uh, and it's right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It's not. So yeah, you, it, it'd be rare you'd be seeing any West Virginia team getting six points in Morgantown. Yeah, no kidding. I did not know it went up. So, yeah, I'm 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 gonna yeah, I'm definitely gonna do that. Good to, good conversation to close it out. You have yourself a good one, and uh, we'll talk right, to you Chris. next week, John. All good, right, good being with you as always. Take care. All right, have a good one. You too. All righty. So yeah, I, I do think. Uh, man, now I'm all distracted. Okay, okay, okay. So there's still this person. I don't know. That's the thing about this stuff. It's just so funny that people take where they're going to be so biased. And you know that fans. I always say that fans are different. I'm a fan, but I'm also a part-time media member. And if you do, if you have a, you know. Instagram where you do lives or YouTube or pod, whatever whatever the hell you do, right? Uh, space on Twitter. Thinking about joining one later this later tonight after I get off this possibly if it's still going, but um, it's like I know exact. Well, I hold on, I'll take it back. I don't know exactly what the all the contract says for Spencer Crawford, but we know. We already knew that 147 could could be the weight for the rematch, right? The, the winner could decide. So we already know who's in pole position because we saw the fight July 29th. So we know who's in pole position. So it has nothing to do with, well, dude, you don't get it. It says it in the contract. Dude, I do get it, and I know it says it in the contract. And even Spets was saying – Hopefully, I can get it at that. You know, I want it at that, blah, 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 blah. Listen, as a boxing fan, I am definitely not hurt. Or remember, I did pick by like split or majority decision, I did pick Spence, okay? I got the prediction wrong, but I won money on the fight. I picked the under. I picked a knockout for Crawford, and the only bet I got wrong was a Spence decision, which was a plus number, okay? It was a healthy plus number. for. And it's tough to get either of these guys at, at low minuses or low pluses, to be honest with you, because most of the guys they fight, they, they've been clear favorites. So I won money on the fight, okay? It's It's... You just you get so – but my, my thing is it's not necessarily fans or someone DMing me right now. It's the media, certain people in the media, lots of people, and they say, well, they don't tell the whole fucking story. They don't add context. They just say, well, this is what it is. Yeah, we fucking know. We know he's the A-side now. We know he's going to get 60-40. You know, for all those people that they, – these same people, by the way, will say, oh, the Al, Al Heyman contract. Well, this is a pretty fucking good contract, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? It was a good contract for Fury, too. Like, it's just so funny. 
people get so damn emotional about this stuff. I'm cool with not seeing the fight. But I'm also, the fact that it happened and we knew there was a rematch clause, it's pretty ballsy to take a goddamn rematch considering what happened in that ring. So I'm not going to sit here, and if he were to take the rematch, like, you know, we assumed he was going to activate it, then there was the rumors that he wasn't, then he did. But clearly, you know, Bud's saying he wants, he's, 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 he's doing a business move, and it makes sense as long as he gets the Charlo Canelo fight. I see that clear as day. But you do have to admit, if he doesn't get the Charlo or Canelo fight, you could, you could make an argument that this is not a good move. Because, you know, now I don't know, we don't, like, is it just the two-fight two deal? Or is, if that option's not there, is he a free agent again? Do we know... Does the PBC have an option on him no matter what? You know, those are the stuff that I don't know for a 100% fact. It's, you know, from what I've heard from pretty good sources, not just one, that that is the, like, it, it, it's only the rematch clause being exercised. Otherwise, if they, if they don't make the fight, then he's another free agent. Now, obviously, he's going to be probably fighting with the PBC anyway, based off opponents, but... I get that part. And like I said, as a fan, I, I led with that. I'm cool that the rematch doesn't happen. That's cool. But to make these big fights, sometimes these two-way rematch clauses, and I love when a winner gets 60-40 no matter who it is. I think it's a great deal, right? It's legit. That means, and we said this the whole time, he can turn overnight from B-side to A-side, and that's exactly credit to Crawford. That's exactly what he did. And we also saw a Charlo fight, whatever fight. He's talking about going up to 68. But when you talk about going up to 68, and you know you're going to fight Charlo at least at 54, that's where, if we're being honest, it is a bullshit move because you can't sit there and, uh, well, you can, but he sat there and complained and criticized all these fighters for all these years saying, they talk a good game, but they don't back it up. And this, that, and the third, right? We've heard this. I mean, shit, before he thought he was the, the A-side. He used to say 60-40 and all that stuff when he was with top rank. The, this is all on camera. It's not me saying it. So it's just funny. Like, it's just funny how you can have two different opinions, and they're both right. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad they're not having a rematch. I'm cool with that. Like, whether we think that's right or not, it seems like the smartest idea for Spence not to take this rematch. Now, do I think he'd take it at 54? Obviously, he, he said he activated it. But Bud said more than once that he'd do it at 54. But you know what? Bud doesn't give a fuck, you know? Bud doesn't care. And so I understand this does not surprise me one bit especially September 30th come around the corner, whatever happens, you know, I favor Canelo, but whatever happens in there, if he's like, well, fuck. Now, is Canelo going to fight in January, or is he going to fight next May? That You know, I, are you not going to fight anybody until next May? Would you fight, why not fight Spence in December or January, and then fight, you know, we can make debates and arguments about that stuff. 
But the point is, he did say something, and now he's not standing on it. But it's no surprise. It just, it's just so funny how so many people say, oh, Spence ducked him all these years. They were, they were boxing him out, dude. They, 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 you know, it's like, dude, you're not telling the whole context story. And it's so funny because this proved once he was a free agent, what happened? The fight got made. And it also proves how stubborn, hey, rightfully so, but is stubborn. A lot of these dudes are stubborn. Shit, just to take the rematch for Spence, for Spence to want the rematch, that's pretty stubborn. But, you know, a lot of times they need that stubbornness to get where they're at. But it's just so funny how you don't want to tell everything about it. So if you hadn't gone to – I'm going to make this person happy. I'm going to make your day, okay? Here you go. You don't have to be at 47. Like I said, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in a hurt business. 47 was kind of hard for me too. I was already talking about moving up in weight and challenging Charlo. So 54 wouldn't be outreach of anything. It definitely don't have to be at 47. Like I said, you know, uh, I'm I'm in a hurt business. 47 was kind of hard for me too. I was already talking about moving up in weight and challenging Charlo. So 54 won. There you go. I played it twice for you, so now you know. Okay. I don't. I don't know why I had to do that, but I, there you go. Okay. He said it. It's contradicting. It is bullshit. I think you should stand on what you say, right? Sure. Now, is he the first boxer or whoever else to do that? Fuck no. I mean, I have, everybody has contrad. You know, this is a contradiction, dude. But like I said, it doesn't surprise me. The, the whole point about that whole, oh, they, you know, he wanted to duck him all these years, and he never actually wanted to fight. Why the fuck did they give him the fight this time, then? Like, he could have walked away. Uh, based off that first negotiation, the real negotiation that they had, and some of the things that literally came out of Bud's mouth, so we know they're real, about, you know, being tough to deal with, and then now later him saying, I'm glad I didn't, you know, his big thing was that in those investors, and he even said, I'm glad that I didn't do the investors. And now he said, you know, it, he's really, he's woken up. He's woken up business-wise. And you can tell because if he doesn't take this fight and he gets the Charlo or Canelo fight, then that's a fucking smart business move. It just might. It is a smart business. I've already said that, but you have to admit. See, this is where can you think two different things at one time and be right? <laughs> it would be if he didn't get the Charlo or Canelo, this would be a dumb move. Now you could also say, and that's why I like putting stuff on the wall and see what sticks. You could also say, well, in a year he'll probably get the fight again anyway at 54. He'll fight somebody, make some good change, and then get the rematch if he can't get Charlo or Canelo. So the fight's there at 54 anyway. So you can say that too, and that is a fair point. I'm sure you were going to message me and say that. Anyway, that's it, dude. Crawford can do whatever the fuck he wants, but it is contradicting. It's okay. We're all fucking contradicting. Like I said, as a fan, I'm cool with not seeing this fight right away. 
but I respect any boxers that making this big fight, if we got to see it, we got to see it. I, I was very consistent with this. The vast majority of people were shitting on Wilder for wanting this rematch. Well, you know what? For the third fight, you know, from the second. That, that turned out to be, you know, one of the best fights that year, if not the best. It was a great fight. I'm not comparing them that, like that's going to happen. I'm just saying I stood on what I was consistent. And that's all I'm asking for people to be consistent in the media. Fans do you, but in the media, you need a little bit more consistency. Now, Shakur, right? Shakur Stevenson. I already talked about this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this shit. I got fight news to get to, some boxing Twitter. I'm just going to address this now. We already know about the 25%. Um, I, like I said then, and I'll say it now, 25% doesn't mean much if I don't know what the pot is. We're going to play what he said, and then we're and this is on a uh, uh, million dollars worth of game. We're going to play what he said right here, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? I want to see that. I'm going to say it was in the media. Right. It was in the media. That's why we're going to straighten it out now. Yeah, let's do it. They gave you 25% that, and that 25% would have came out to be more money than you ever made. That was the report in the media. And, and they put a specific number out there, too. Like 8 million. Exactly. They say 8 million. I now, see everything. So if it was 8 million, right, how much would he have made? Let me ask you a question. 32 million. Right. All right. 30, it'll be what? 32, right? Yeah. Something like that. 32 yeah. million, now I got eight, Or right? 24 million. Whatever it was. Yeah, because if you're giving you 25, you're taking... Right, you right, you right. You right. Smart man, smart yeah. man. So look, 24, you think he was making 24 million dollars versus me? Top rank is doing the fight. Top rank is doing the fight. But how, how in the world would I be off? If I was offered 8 million, I'm jumping. Mm. Jump, quick, quick, quick. Come on. 8 million? Let's do it. Set it up. There you go. There you go, right? And that's exactly what I said when I heard the bullshit about this $8 million, you know? And then it, I heard this $8 million, I was like, there's no fucking way. Like, Crawford and – like, there's one fighter as far as on pay-per-view, okay, that gets that kind of money up front, 20-whatever million. One fighter that gets that up front, that actually, uh, well, hold on. You know, Fury could, but did they make money on all those fights? That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about revenue and and making the money on it. So it's not just throwing money to try to, you know, like Canelo got a lot of fucking money thrown at him on the zone, but not all the, you know, even Eddie Hearn said those fights, some of them made money, some of them didn't, you know. So, I, you know, he gets the big, big advance. Like I said, Anthony Joshua gets the big. I'm sure he's got a high guarantee, yada, yada, yada. But I'm saying, like, there's no fucking way. And that's what I knew then. Like, what do you – first of all, he'd take $8 million, just like he said right there, and I said that before. And there's no way that anybody's going to give $24 million. It's not a $32 million fight right now up front to risk. It's just not. Both great fighters. I hope they fight in the future. Top Rank was doing this deal, right? 
But the only thing that I have to say about this is, he said somebody leaked it. Somebody, his own team leaked it. And that's why I called bullshit. Because his own team said, we'll make 18 or 8 now. If we fight next year, what was the number? Double the number? <laughs> Come on, dude. So 16 the next year? Well, let's short. Let's shortchange it. Let's go 12. Let's just go half. He said, we fight next year, it'll double. So they're going to, and we're not even going to go double. We're going to go 12, so 4 million more. So, you, so, so, I mean, you really think that Haney's going to get a raise from 24 million? So they're going to get more than that, and then they're also going to give him 16. It's just, it never made sense. But the funny thing is, and this is where it's like, Shakur, I love you in the ring, but what the fuck? Dude, it's your own team that came out and said the $8 million. Your own team came out and said the $8 million. That's just factual, dude. So it's just silly to me. It's just it's really silly because it's like, I don't know how the, that they, they put that out. Who's they? What do you mean they? Your team. Your team is the one who did that. So don't get, you know, don't go out there saying, oh, they leaked it. Nah, dude. And, you know, maybe he just doesn't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know, man. He, he seems like he stays up on Twitter pretty tight to me. Sounds like he, he does because he's always on, you know, he's always right there, you know, like with the response. So I'm pretty sure he saw that, you know. Anyway, great fighter. Don't take it personal, um, fanboys of him. He's, I really like Shakur. But that was bullshit because it's his own team. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave the, the door open for he didn't know. Now, someone just sent me this. Benavides is, uh, and Andre is, is November 11th. You know, I've heard November 25th as well. Um, you know, people, there's some reservations. Uh, or reserve, not reserve. Well, there's reservations of what time the fight is or what, what day the fight is, but I've heard the 25th as well. Um, that's that's what I, I've heard. And <laughs> um, Jared Ennis, or Jaron Jaron Ennis, Boots Ennis, um, almost that time again, time to continue the tour. 32-0, and 0, 29 knockouts coming soon. He always does this, and then the fight doesn't happen. Now, <clears throat> I'm glad someone sent me this about Keith Thurman. Okay. Thurman responding to Crawford. We already went. He, he sent to Crawford and the Crawford and uh, and Thurman. Or I'm sorry, Garcia and Thurman. Crawford said, "You know, you're not getting the fucking fight. Go fuck yourself." Which that's cool. I'm not, I'm not ripping him for that. Um, but now Keith responded. He said, "You did." And this is Fight Hub TV. You didn't beat up a real champion. I don't think that version of Spence would beat Sean Porter. You didn't beat up a real champion. Everybody knows Keith Thurman wipes, wipes that Spence. He gets wiped by many. He did beat a real champion. Though. You know, he did. He did. So, I mean, was that a fresh Colazzo then? Like, are we stop, stop. There was an interview with Sky Nicholson that she said that she's never been tested on fight night for enhancing drugs, performance-enhancing drugs. Kind of interesting. Speaking of Shakur, November 16th in Vegas, 
three days before Formula One, Edwin De Los Santos. So that's a good fight, solid fight. That's I think Coppinger, uh, you know, said that. Um, Brian said this should have been in New York. Puerto Rico versus Dominican Republic would have been crazy. Um, so I don't know, like. The Keith Thurman thing, that's on you, dude. But when you – and there's also some people – well, here, let's just stick with the news. This is War of Week Radio. Floyd Schofield is reported to return in the ring November as part of the undercard for Ryan Garcia's next fight. Um, but it's kind of all over the place because actually Ryan – they've been talking about dates with Ryan for a little bit, right? Um like, just today, or I think it was today on Boxing Scene. I'm pretty sure it was today. Yeah, it was today. Ryan Garcia is Jake Donovan, who I hope to have on next week. Ryan Garcia eyes ring return later this fall, and they brought up this Oscar Dorte. Um, I think it's Dorete. I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, it's saying there's Golden Boy has, you know, two, a venue on hold at least in two states November 18th. So it's even a different date than what I've heard before. Um, You know, so they're talking about that, right? And obviously, like Jake says here, there are several factors in play for the event moving forward, uh, least of which is finalizing an opponent or location. Golden Boy still is in an active lawsuit against Garcia, which was originally filed June 16th, yada, yada, yada. Um, It sounds like the mediation is going to be mid-October. Now, here's the thing, though. Garcia just said, I'm headed to Milan walking in Fashion Week, then headed to Vegas to train. Big end-of-the-year stretch, then I have something big possibly happening in February. Big 140 fight, but first got to handle business. So it looks like he's going to tune up and do his thing. Um, Abraham Gonzalez uh, wrote an article today um, about uh, you know, it was an interesting article with, with Stephen Espinoza the quotes that we're really worried about you know we know that um, Showtime generally and PBC generally go kind of light in the fourth quarter uh, because of you know football and all that um, according to Espinoza this is from the article the fourth quarter is traditionally slower than the others by design the busy sports calendar, you know, filled with NFL, NBA, NCAA. We will not take any quarters off, although we will, we may have a lighter, you know, fourth quarter, but he may kind of sound like it's like a bang for your buck type shit. So we'll see what, you know, hopefully we get an announcement here kind of soon. Um, Jose Ramirez, this is Jake again today. Jose Ramirez, no surprise here. Ramirez, Arnold Barboza, purse bid canceled for ordered IBF. A fight that stood little chance of being made, uh, you know, is no longer available at the highest bidder. Boxing scene has confirmed that a purse bid hearing previously scheduled for Tuesday was canceled. Uh, the, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't sound like that fight is going to happen. It doesn't at all. So, you know, it is what it is. There's another band a three-year ban for a positive test for UK, 
uh, yeah, UCAD, um, Sokolowski, Sokolowski, um, he was, he, he popped against Frazier Clark, I believe, um, and he, he admitted it, um, he said he was, you know, he, he said that he believes the finding was down to his usage of a supplement which contained the prohibitive substance. He admitted the violation, which reduced it uh, from four years to three. He be, it, April 21st is when it began. So they are starting to get at least some people in trouble. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, like I said, the $8 million thing. This is also what he said, too, um, about Gervonta in that article. This is uh, Dan the Man Boxing, Danny. What's stopping the fight, they asked, you know, versus Tank. Shakur said, I don't know. I can't tell you I'm not Tank. He's the big pay-per-view star. Uh, who am I to throw offers to the biggest star in boxing? That will come, or that will have to be on their part to want to do that, send the offer. I would love the fight. I think it's the best fight in boxing. I want to prove the world who I truly am. Um, you know, we'll see. By the way, um, you know, the um, – there was uh, Diego, um, I think he's from Argentina, he's a trainer, Diego um, Aruas, he passed away, um, suffered a heart attack during his fighter's fight, uh, Sabrina Perez, so RIP to him, man, that, that, that's, that's rough, man, that's really rough, and I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of that, um, being up uh, as far as the, the video of that. Emmanuel Navarrete is reportedly now in advanced talks with uh, with uh, Conceso. That'll be on the Stevenson uh, De Los Santos card. Conceso? Or, yeah, I think it's Conceso. Or Conceso. Um, and Albert Prince Bell said, this is this so ass, what the, this is so ass, what the fuck did Conceso do to deserve his third title shot, he didn't even deserve the first one. Two, uh, first two boxing full of bullshit politics, duck-ass boxes. Yeah, man, I mean, it is what it is. You're probably right. He doesn't deserve that that fight in a sense, you know, another title fight. But it's all about who you're with, man. But, you know, it sounds like he's going to stay busy, so that's cool. Um, Boog Williams asked, could Ruben Villa turn around and be in seven weeks, um, be the opponent November 4th for Robisi, um, Robisi Ramirez. Kind of, kind of interesting, kind of an interesting fight. Manny Pacquiao, according to Rappler.com, Manny Pacquiao has now confirmed that he wants to fight the Paris Olympics 2024 uh, the aim is ending his boxing career by winning gold for his country at age 45. I'm excited about it. My heart desires to claim a gold medal in the Olympics. It'll be interesting to see how he does there. Um, what else we got here? Uh, oh, this is the Stephen Nelson Sto- uh, so cold, Stone Cold. Uh, so basically, he says... Uh, to all the people out here spreading false narratives, Bud is offering Arrow at Arrow a fight at 147. If he doesn't take it, 
which we're hoping he doesn't uh, he doesn't because it's a waste of time. But Bud wants uh, you know to do something that hasn't been done, move up three weight classes. So that's no big secret there. Oh yeah, also anyway, uh, Takuma. I think it's Takuma anyway. Uh, it sounds like November 15th in Tokyo, Jerwin Anakanas. It's an interesting fight. I like that fight. Uh, this is Dan Raphael. This is what I was talking about with Benavidez Andre. On the agenda for next week, and he, he said this like a handful of days ago, um, the request by TGB Promotions for a program permit to promote a professional boxing event November, November 25th at the MGM. Um, to be televised by Showtime pay-per-view, you know, so <laughs> that's what I heard more than just Dan Raphael. That's the date I heard, too. Oh, here goes Coppinger. Fury and Usyk talks are reportedly heating up again as they continue behind the scenes. Claim that there's a lot of optimism that the uh, undisputed heavyweight fight will happen next year in Saudi Arabia. And since uh, it appears that Frank Warren has, you know, outdone Eddie when it comes to Saudi money at the time. At the time, anyway, we'll see. Um, as of right now, maybe that Wilder and AJ fight won't happen. And I said that I would admit that I was wrong. I did think it was going to happen. Um, and I said about summer. By If it doesn't happen by next summer, then I was wrong. Um, we have heard some talk about they want to do that fight in Vegas. Uh, if they can't do it in Saudi, they still want the fight. Because, you know, I think it would depend on, does Saudi really want Fury Usyk and do that with the, all the belts? Or do they want to do the, the, the AJ fight? That's what we're going to find out. Um, Julio Cesar Martinez and McWilliams Arroyo rematch back in play for November 4th. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So there is um, the Spit Bucket podcast. According to our insider, this came after Mandown promotion hers whispers of Frank Martin leaving Derek James. So that was some of the stuff because he said that <coughs> Frank Martin said that he was not involved in negotiation that led to the first cancellation. Um, and so he was kind of in between there. Um, and there were some people talking about it should have been 64. It should have been that. If they would have went to the first bit, uh, the, the first bit it would have been 50-50. That's not true. It would have been 60-40 for Shakur. Jake Donovan cleared it up uh, in a good way here because uh, I saw multiple people saying this. Uh, first bid split would have been 60-40 Shakur had it gone to a bid. I'm doing my best to stay out of this. But Martin's team could have pushed it uh, for it to go to first bid. Uh, it felt disrespected at oh if it felt disrespected if you know if they felt disrespected at any point so basically if you did turn that down you you know or stop you know agree to terms quote unquote if that actually happened you, if you wanted sixty forty you could have just went to first bid uh, they are reporting a potential split oh uh, Marcos uh, looks great right gloves off boxing. He said they're reporting a potential split between, you know, Derek James and, and uh, Frank Martin for likes and views. None of it's true. 
like I said, I always kind of hold off on that. Fred adds to this whole spit bucket thing. He has a manager and a promoter. Why would a fighter be involved in negotiations? A, matter, a manager's entire job is to negotiate on behalf of the fighter. The promoter has exclusive rights to promote an event. Aaron and King still has everyone baffled at what laws are about still. Yeah, no shit. Uh, this is Paul uh, Magno, Boxing Tribune, also uh, fight hype, always uh, entertaining, always worth a read. Uh, if I don't comment on a particular boxing issue, it's because I don't know enough yet to be to form a reasonable opinion, although jumping blindly at scoops and making ill-informed hot takes would help my career. Admittedly, that's why I suck at the boxing media stuff. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, if I'm Errol Spence, this is a boxing Twitter segment that we're going to get out of here. If I'm Errol Spence, I, I would accept the fight at 47, but come in at 54. If Bud declines to continue, he shows the world he doesn't like the idea of facing a hydrated Spence. He would still be eligible for undisputed or undisputed defense. Spence would not. I'm sure it's in there. You know, this is. Uh, I'm saying I'm sure that's like. I'm sure there's some fines that would be in there. Uh, that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and don't I wouldn't rule out Bud walking away from that fight if that were to happen. If he came in at 54, you know. Uh, this is real rolling pin. The term boogeyman is a crutch term invented by promoters for fighters they failed to promote. Better fighters than Shakur had have had zero issues finding opponents. If they're or worser, by the way, if their former or if the formula is high risk, low reward, maybe they should be asking why their fighter is such a low reward. I really like that one. That 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 sums it up perfectly. What a way to end! Why not just end right there? Anyway, I'm gonna get out of here. Enjoy, you know, these fights that we got coming up. Like I said, we do have a disown Thursday night. We do have a, a Pro Box TV tomorrow night. Kind of interesting fight there, too. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Like I said, enjoy the fights. Let's hope we get some two-way action. I'm out. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag. And when you become a world champion, you're like, you know what? I made it. I'm going to show you it's this. So I'm going to get any, every dollar worth of, 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 of what I deserve.